and hearing his voice. And we've established this much, that God is talking and that he's actually talking to us and that we can actually hear God's voice. And we're learning how to have a conversational relationship with God. That's really the the thrust of this, and learning just how to talk with God every day. He's our friend. And so last two weeks ago, I gave us some very practical pointers taken from Dallas Willard's book called Hearing God. Remember, I gave him credit there, and that was really great. This morning, I intend to give us six steps to hearing God that are taken from a book written by a guy named Mark Verkler, And his book is called Four Keys to Hearing God, and actually it's one of the resources that they're going to be using in the class coming up starting next week. But you might think that's funny, you might wonder, wait a second, if Mr. Verkler gave four keys, why is Doug giving us six? And that's because, well, I'm a preacher, and we always have to make things longer. You know how that works. But not really. The idea is... He basically, I've read the book, it's really excellent. He basically gives six keys, but he, I don't know if his publisher said, hey, six won't sell, so make it four. I don't know how he did it, but the, there are really six, and for me it makes sense this way, so that's how I'm going to present it today. But before we get into the six keys for hearing God's voice, I want to answer a critic, maybe a question that you might have. You might have been listening this whole time, and you're thinking, Wait a second. If God is all-powerful, then why can't he find a fail-safe way to communicate with us? It stands to reason. He's all-powerful. I get that I'm not all-powerful, but God is. So why can't God figure out a way to talk to me that I can understand? Maybe you've had that question. To that question, I respond with these three responses. The first is this. We often misunderstand each other in communication. We. And we live on, the, on a human level. We live in the same material world and we speak the same language. And we often misunderstand each other. I, I love my wife with all my heart and we both speak English. And yet there are times that we misunderstand one another. Which leads to the second point, and that is that communication takes work. And it's actually the work of communication that builds intimacy in a relationship, isn't it? It's it's our desire to understand one another better. And our willingness to engage, even in conflict if we have to, in order to understand one another, and it's something about the work of communication that actually bonds us together. So having to work on communication is not a bad thing. It's, in fact, a good thing. And having to work on communication with God is actually a really good thing. I wonder if God's created it that way. You know, if if all you want are directions... God to tell you, hey, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Well, that's pretty easy. He can do that. You've you've got the Bible. It's full of commands, different things to do, different things not to do. It's pretty clear it's black and white. But that's not really what we're talking about in this season and learning to hear God. We're, We're wanting to commune 
We're wanting to go deeper in our connection and intimacy with God. And, and for that, that'll take the rest of our lives. And it's constant work. And that's a good work. Isn't it kind of by working on communication, it's actually an act of love, isn't it? If I, if I'm, if I don't work on communicating with my wife, I'm actually communicating something that I don't care about her, I don't love her, that she's not valuable. It's the act of working on communication that actually demonstrates love. So here's the deal. God has laid out everything he is for you and me. This, this, this communication between us and God, literally the ball is in our court now. And, and the question that you have to ask is, is, do you, is God valuable enough to you that you're willing to work on communicating with him? Because he certainly has already demonstrated that you are valuable enough to him to work on this with you. The question is now up to you and me, which leads to the third point, and that is it always takes two to communicate. God speaks perfectly. And God listens perfectly. You and I don't always speak. Actually, we speak imperfectly and listen imperfectly, don't we? So my inability to hear God speaking isn't God's fault. God actually became a man in order to speak to us. I mean, Jesus, you know, the Bible calls him the Word, right? The Word became flesh, John chapter 1, verse 1. So Jesus, the perfect Word of God, actually became living flesh. So God's Word became flesh so that we could see. So he's not just spoken it, and he's not just written it. He's actually lived it. Is there anything else he can do to communicate to you and me? You say, well, why doesn't God just show up and blow us all away? I mean, if he's, in, if he's infinite and all-powerful, certainly God could come into this room right now where we're meeting and just, and there'd be no doubt that God spoke to us. And you might wonder, why doesn't he do that? Hey, God has done that before, and it killed people. Listen, if you want God to show up in all of his glory, you don't have a clue what it is you're asking for. You really want the infinite, all-powerful, pure, perfect, holy God of the universe to show up in all of his glory. Listen, you might, I don't want to be there. I prefer my underwear to be clean, thank you. You understand, he has done that before, and literally it killed people. So what is to be done? It's kind of, I think of it, this, this hit me yesterday. I was like, maybe the best way to illustrate this is, let's say you, let's say you are walking down the sidewalk, and, and you see an ant on the sidewalk, and there's just something in your heart that feels affection for that ant. You just say, oh, I love you, ant. 
And, and so you say, I, I want to have a relationship with you, aunt. Let's be friends. And so you set out to become friends with this aunt. And so you get down, you know, and you lay your head on the sidewalk like that. What, what does the aunt see? Your eyeball. And it runs. You go, no, 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 I, I love you, aunt. I love you. And so you take, so you say, I know what I'll do. I'll get a piece of paper. You get a scrap of paper, really small scrap, and you get a really fine-tipped point, pointed pen, and you write, I love you on it. And you post it as a sign right in the sidewalk so the ant can see it. And the ant just walks right over it, ignores it, doesn't even notice it, because you wrote it, you wrote it in your language. You, you wrote it in English. He speaks antlish. You, don't, you can't, you know, he, he, it, it means nothing to him. Your attempt to communicate. You say, oh, I know what I'll do. Maybe I'll move in with the ant. I'll, I'll go take my chair and I'll sit down next to the ant, to the ant hill. I'll just stay there and we'll live together, me and this ant. But the ant only sees your presence as an obstacle. All he sees is your shoe. And every time it moves, you scare the bejeebers out of them. You go, well, that's not working. So then you go, how about I become an ant? And, and somehow you figure out a way, let's say, to actually become an ant. So you get down to ant size, and you show up in the ant colony, and you say, here I am. And they all just see you, you're just another ant. And you go, no, 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 actually, do you remember that big foot that killed a bunch of you? That was me. You remember the big eyeball you saw? And that, that was me. You remember the sign that that was, that was me, and now I'm one of you, and here I am. I'm, I'm here, and they just see you as another ant. Like, well, you're, you're just like us. What do you mean? And you go, man, this task of communicating to these ants is very challenging. Now, that's between you and an ant. The distance between you and that ant is nothing compared to the distance between God and you. You and the ant at least live in a material world. God, you're talking about spirit, never been material. Crossing boundaries from spiritual to material. Crossing boundaries from infinite to finite. I mean, the distance that God traveled to meet with you and me is beyond what you and I could even begin to understand. And now you see the task of communicating, how challenging that is. And yet God has done everything. Think of all that he's done to communicate with you and me. He's done all of that and more. If you caught the analogy... Every piece of that relationship between you and the ant, God has done in the history of the world with the human race.
Do you understand the heart of God, the creator of the universe, who has created worlds that you and I don't even know about? He longs for you. He set his affection on you. And he's done absolutely everything possible to communicate with you. He wants to communicate with you. So this morning, I want to give us six keys that we can do to hear his voice. Now, this is what we can do. Understand God has already done all of this, okay? So what I'm sharing with us are what we can do to position ourselves to hear his voice. And there's six words, six key words that you can remember. Stop, look, listen, write, share, wait. So everybody say those with me. Give me six words. You guys start with stop, look, listen. Stop, look, listen. You guys go with write, share, wait. Thank you. There you go. Stop, look, listen, write, share, wait. They're taken out of Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Let's just read it. I'll read it first. Habakkuk 2, verse 1. The prophet says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Then the Lord replied, Write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Now the first thing you need to know is that the book of Habakkuk is written like a conversation between Habakkuk and God. And you look at ver chapter 1, Habakkuk starts off with a complaint. He, he, anybody ever complained to God before? Anybody? Okay, we all can share Habakkuk's struggles. Habakkuk dumps a complaint on God, and then God responds to him. And then Habakkuk, Habakkuk gives a second complaint to God. And at the end of his second complaint, that brings us to chapter 2, verse 1. And it's like Habakkuk says, here's what I'm going to do. Okay, God, I've, I've, I've poured out my complaint. Now, I'm going to stand at my watch. I'm going to station myself on the ramparts. I'm going to look to see what he'll say to me, what answer you're going to give. And then God speaks back to Habakkuk. Here's what you got to do, buddy. This, this, this. And we look at these three verses, there's actually six keys in here that you and I can use to help us hear God's voice. And the first one is this, stop, stop. Habakkuk says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. Obviously, it's a picture of a watchman like a night guard standing in one place, paying careful attention to what happens around him. Stop. Friends, God can speak to us on the run. He can. He's God. However, our fast-paced lifestyle greatly reduces our ability to hear God speak. We need to slow down. 
we need to discipline ourselves to unplug from TV, media, cell phones, to sit still. Your refusal to get quiet is killing you. And it certainly is killing your relationship with God. Have you noticed lately how much of your life is spent plugged in? Have you ever noticed lately how little, how little you spend just simply quiet? Just quiet. I mean, sometimes on Sunday mornings as we worship together, we intentionally stop the music. You've, you've experienced it. We just take 45 seconds and sit together as a church in absolute silence. I do that on purpose sometimes. I think some, for some of us, that's the only 45 seconds of quiet you've had all week long. You need this. I need this. I like what Psalms 130 says, 131 rather. David says, my heart is not proud, O God. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have stilled and quieted my soul. I have stilled and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. When David says that he's not proud and that he's not concerned himself with great matters, what he's saying is that he's simplified his life. He's saying he's downsized his world, he's uncluttered his mind. He's like, okay, there's, all, there's the mysteries of the universe, and there's all the big questions that are there to be asked and answered, but for now, I'm setting those aside, because I just want to focus my heart and my mind and my attention upon God. I, I wonder um, if David ever, remember David wrote this, David was a king. He's the king of Israel. So he's running a country. You think he had a few things on his mind? What do you figure? I wonder if David ever just left the hustle and bustle of Jerusalem and went to Bethlehem, his old hometown. That's where he was born and grew up. And I wonder if he ever just walked through the old fields where he shepherded sheep and maybe grabbed a blade of grass and stuck it in between his teeth and just chewed on it and walked the field quiet and just just sat quiet out of the hustle of Jerusalem. And here's David saying, I have settled my heart. You and I need to do the same thing. For us, if you want to hear God's voice, it starts here. I need to intentionally quiet myself. Intentionally. And by the way, when you do that, you might not necessarily hear God say anything in that moment. In my experience, rarely does that actually happen. So I want to encourage you with that. Don't go, okay, God, I've taken five minutes to be quiet and haven't heard a thing. No, 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 it doesn't work that way. Just quiet yourself. Practice the discipline of stilling yourself. Second, look. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1, the next thing he says is, I will look to see what you will say to me. Now, I know that I'm goofy, but that sounds strange to me. That's an odd choice of words. Look to see what you will say. How do you see what you say? Ever thought through that? How does he do that? We use the same phrase, so I think it makes sense. 
If uh, one of your kids asks you for something, you tell them, hey, go ask your father and see what he says. Or go ask your mother and see what she says. We use the same phrase, but stop and think about it. How do you see what you say? It's kind of a weird saying. Well, I think this way. Words, words can be seen, actually, in the impact they have on your life. I don't encourage you to do this, but tomorrow morning, wake up and say, it's going to be another crappy day, and spend all day tomorrow just repeating that phrase, and tell me how your day turns out. I'm going to guess it's not going to be a very good day. Your words somehow shape the experience that you have, and God, I mean, come on, forget about it. God's words literally created worlds. You can see what God said all around you. See the mountains? Yeah, God said those into existence. You see the stars? You see Mars moving close to the moon? Guess what? God said that into existence. You're seeing, literally seeing, what God said. We live in a world where we see what God says all the time. So when Habakkuk says, look, pay attention, look to the events that are happening all around you, look at God, take notice, because it may have been actually said by God. The prophet Jeremiah, he said something very interesting, um, very sobering, actually, about the people of Israel. And he said this, a little warning, it's not, it's not necessarily nice, but it, it, it was truthful. He says, they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their own evil hearts. Instead of listening and paying attention, instead of looking for what God was saying, they followed their own hearts instead. I guess because it's easier to just follow my own heart. Instead of having to pay attention to what God is doing around me, I just follow however I feel. And it got them into trouble. Listen, you can follow one of three things. Your feelings, your flesh, or your heavenly Father. I can tell you that at any given moment in your life, you're following one of those three. Your flesh, your feelings, or your heavenly Father. If you follow your feelings you will be completely confused and you'll become an emotional and spiritual wreck. How many of you know that you are not the summation of your feelings? Your feelings do not determine who you are. And yet how many times in our culture, how, about, how prevalent is that these days that everybody's just following their feelings? It's a wreck. Some people are way too wrapped up in their own emotions. Your emotions and feelings are a blessing. Don't hear me wrong. God blessed us with them, but they're not meant to steer the car. They're not. They're only meant to just, uh, you know, flavor the ride a little bit. But anyway, or if you follow your flesh, your flesh will bring you to ruin. Your finances will be ruined because your flesh is always going to want to buy what you can't afford. Your your health will be ruined because your flesh is always going to want to do what's easy. Always. 
Your, your relationships will be ruined because your flesh is always going to want to love itself before anything else. Your integrity, your reputation is going to be ruined, your career ruined if you follow your flesh. Hey, kids, going back to school, guess what? School isn't fun. And the reason why you hate school, I can tell you why you hate school, kids, because your flesh doesn't want to work. That's, that is the reason. It's the reason why any of us hate any work, because my flesh doesn't want it. But listen, it's part of maturity, kids. Listen to this. Part of maturity, part of you growing up is realizing, oh, I don't listen to my flesh. My, my flesh is not a, good, not a good guide, not a good leader. My flesh would rather eat snacks and play video games all day. That's my flesh. And it'll ruin me if I let it lead me. Or I can listen to Heavenly Father who knows what's best even when it's hard. Have you ever noticed how God has the ability to tick you off? Don't you love that about him? I do. Because he's always going to give me what's best. Even if I don't like it. He's a good, good father. So we look to see what he's doing all around us. And then third, he says, listen. We see what God says. We listen for him to speak. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 15, Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear. Would you pray, Jesus, give me the ears to hear you speaking? Two weeks ago, we talked about how God's voice has this certain feel to it how we might not always be able to hear what his voice sounds like, whether it's gravelly or high-pitched or low-pitched, you remember? But, we, but there are certain qualities to God's voice. And I've enjoyed talking with several of you in the last couple of weeks about your experience hearing God's voice. And it's interesting how there's common threads in it all. And we've, we learned how God's voice is authoritative. He he speaks with weight, and how, but he's not bossy. He's not edgy, but he does speak with weight, with authority. He, God, uh, God's voice is uh, challenging, but it's encouraging challenging. It's not demoralizing challenging. You know, different, different ways. I'd, I'd encourage you to get that podcast because it uh, it's good. It's an, it feeds into what we're talking about this morning. For me, I found that Often, <clears throat> I hear what God's saying when I'm listening to conversations. If I'm in a conversation with you, oftentimes there'll be something that just kind of rings. I go, huh, huh. I pay attention. Or maybe I'll <clears throat> hear a song or a thought will <clears throat> hit me and I'll go, huh. It'll just ring. I don't know how else to say it, but it rings. And I know that's the Lord speaking. But you know what? If I sit down and I say, okay, God, here I am, start talking, the crickets chirp. I don't hear anything. But I find if I'm paying attention, just paying attention, I pick things up all day long as I go through my day. Like, how many of you would say, okay, maybe this is TMI, but I'm going to ask for it anyway. How many of you would say God has talked to you in the shower before? Anybody? Raise a hand. You say, yep, 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 had a few shower talks. Yes. Right? 
You guys, why, why were you so shy about that? We all know you shower. We, we're hoping you do. I mean, I don't know. It's just a normal part of life. What is that? God talks to us in the shower? What? God talks to you when you're driving down the road? God talks to me when I'm mowing the lawn? What is that? That's typical. Your experience is typical. You see how many hands came up? How many, time, how many people get talked to in the shower? <laughs> Probably more than half of us. All that to say this, we listen, we pay attention to what he's saying, and it's probably not going to happen when you sit down and you take this five minutes. It's going to happen as you pay attention throughout the day. And then the fourth thing, here's, here's what happened to me yesterday. Yesterday, I'm cleaning out my shed, and I got mouse poop all over me, and we're you know, trying to pick up all this jazz, and I got a big chunk of something in my hand, and, and I really felt like God, God said something to me. And I remember stopping in the shed going, that's really good, God. Okay, i got to remember that. And then I kept on going, doing my thing. You know, I can't remember what he said now. For the last 24 hours, I'm like, God, what was that? I'd love to remember. That was really good. Why can't I remember that? <laughs> so that brings us to number four. Write it down. In Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, he said this, the Lord replied, write down the revelation. Write it down. So God started talking in verse 2. Habakkuk stopped. He looked for what God was saying. He listened for what God was saying. And then God started talking. And the first thing God told Habakkuk was, hey, buddy, get a pen and paper. I'm about to talk. I'm going to tell you something, and you need to write this down. God told Jeremiah the same thing. He's in Jeremiah chapter 30. He says, this is what the Lord says. Write in a book all the words I have spoken to you. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 9, he says, write it on the door frames of your houses, on the threshold, on your doorposts, on the gates. Write it. Write it down. Write it down. You wonder, why do I have to write it? Well, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but it's God talking? God talking. Isn't that something you want to remember? I mean, you could forget what I say. Come on, that's just me. But God, I don't want to forget what God said. So we write it down. Your journal, your journal was like a record. You know, I, this is just one of my, I've been journaling for 25 years. And uh, your journal becomes like a record of God's dealings with you. I can go back 25 years, and I tell you, I, I look at some of what I wrote 25 years ago, and I, I'm a changed man. I, I read some of the things I wrote, and I'm almost embarrassed by what I wrote 25 years ago. And I, and I bet that if I get the privilege of living another 25 years, and I look back on the stuff I'm writing now, I'll say the exact same thing. Man, I can't believe I was saying that in 2018. Because I think that's the nature of our relationship with God. You're always maturing and always going deeper. That's just how it works. But you want to write it down. Um, so I did something for us today. I want you to practice this. Are you game? Are you game this week? In your bulletin, in your program, 
there's this little piece of paper. And maybe you already have a journal. It's, it's a little lavender piece of paper. Maybe you already have a journal, and if so, use that, please. There's no mat. This is only if you don't have a journal, and I just wanted you to have something to get started with, is all this is. If you already have a journal, use that. But here's what I want you to notice. You are saying less than God is. You notice that on there? There's more lines for God than there are for you. That's on purpose because we want to know what he's saying, not what you're saying. And so, so here's, here's, how, here's how this works. I want, to, I want to encourage you to do this, okay? At some point this week, get quiet. Get quiet. Give yourself whatever, 10, 15 minutes, whatever. Whatever you got, get quiet. Maybe put on some worship music on your iPod, your phone, whatever. Something nice and soft, good worship music, just to get your heart and, you know, in tune and focused on the Lord. And I want you to imagine that you're having a conversation with Jesus. I don't know how you would picture that in your mind, but you picture you and Jesus just talking. And then you start with writing me. What, what's just, what comes, just write. What, what's a concern? What's a, a care that you have? Maybe there's a question you have. And uh, maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just, hey, good morning, Lord. And then write. Write what you hear. And the only thing I would say is don't evaluate what you're writing as you write. Just let it, just write. Don't worry about the grammar. Don't worry about the spelling. Don't, I know some of you, some of you, AD, you um, OCD people are like, ah, but there's no comma there. Just, just write it out there. Just lay it out. It's going to look dirty. That's okay. Throw it out. And then, and then when you're all done, that's when you read it and evaluate it. But don't evaluate it and read it when you're in the middle of it. Does that make sense? Because that will interrupt the flow of conversation. Just write it out. Write out what you hear. Uh, I don't like to, to do this a lot, cause I, but I, can I just share something out of my own journal so that you have an example? That's all this is, just by way of example. So I wrote this. I, me, and I write me. I say, good morning, Dad. How are you today? Father, more than happy. Me, makes sense. You're the source of joy itself. Jesus answered, often when I pray, I engage the entire Trinity. So then Jesus answers, well, that and we're just always glad because we have the oil of gladness. Me, you mean the Holy Spirit? Father answers, yes, Spirit is the oil of gladness. I've given him to you also. You can share my gladness. Me. Yes, please. Jesus says, let it flow into you, down into the deepest parts of you, so that you never lose it. The oil of gladness is yours. You'll never be without it. Me. I receive that, Jesus. Lord, do you have any thoughts on coveting in the 10th command? Does gladness apply? Do you remember several months ago we were going through that series on the 10 commandments? Well, that's, there we go. So obviously that was on my mind that day. Does gladness apply? Father says, oh yes, most definite. A glad heart is thankful. A thankful heart is content. 
It is this very lack of contented gladness that sets my loved ones up for trouble. So many decisions are made with these idols in your hearts. Nothing in this world will make you happy because you were not made for this world. I actually made you for better things. You can do anything you want to do. Want me, and you'll never want anything else. I'm the very thing your soul thirsts for. And then it goes on on his pages. You see that? Just a sample. Just a little conversation you have with God, but it's written down. And then you do this. Share it. That's the fifth one. Share it. Habakkuk verse 2, he said, God told Habakkuk, write it down. Why? So a herald can run with it. So somebody else can take, can have it. So I encourage you to give it to someone else to have them look at it. This is important. Will you humble yourself enough to let someone else see what you wrote and evaluate whether or not it was actually from God? That is risky. Because <laughs> what if they read it and they go, that is just whacked. And that's possible. Are you willing to do that? Because you know what? I want to know whether or not I'm hearing from God. Don't you? I don't want to hear my own imagination. I want to know if I'm talking to the God of the universe. And my Christian friends, you can help me to do that. So we share this with trusted Christian friends so that they can help us to evaluate. And in my experience, when we begin this discipline, let me tell you, here's what happens. When we begin this discipline, the, some of the first things that you'll hear are this. God just says, I love you. You're my child. You're my girl. You're my guy. I love you. You say, why? Well, remember, I happen to think that that's, that's square one in our relationship with God anyway. And many of us are so busy we don't ever hear that. And God, is a, he does yearn for you and me to know that, to know his love for us. And so when you begin, you're not going to hear. Remember what the psalmist said in Psalms 131? We read a moment ago. I don't concern myself with these things too wonderful for me. I'm just interested, God, in connecting with you in this moment. And when you have that kind of heart, God, the first things he says is, I love you. You're my guy. Don't want you to forget that. So you'll hear that first, probably. And then the last thing is this, and I'm done, is wait. Wait. Verse 3, God told Habakkuk that the revelation awaited a certain time. And he says, so hang on to it. There's a time coming. It's wait for this. I, I love the words of Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Wow, there's a blessing that comes when we're willing to wait for him. Here's what I learn in waiting. I learn to actually cherish the relationship. I learn that Jesus himself is good enough for me. Not what he said he's going to do. Not what he said I'm supposed to do. 
not the job before us, the task before us, not the mission to accomplish, the cause that I'm supposed to be a part of. No, Jesus himself is the prize. Listen, some people are so busy running around fulfilling the word of God that they miss God. Can I say that again? In the worship team, you can come and close us. Some people are so busy running around fulfilling the word of God that they miss God. That's an epic miss. You don't want to miss that. The goal of this, remember, friends, the goal of this is communion. That's our goal. That's what we're going for. We're not aiming for... In this, we're not aiming for changing the world. We're really not. We're aiming for communion. Where you, you, me, we can commune, we can converse with the God who made us. I can hear him affirm his love for me today. Don't you want that? For the God of the universe to tell you, hey, buddy, I love you, I made you. I'm in this with you today. I mean, that's the, that's the good stuff. That's what God is yearning for with you and me, and he's done everything he can. So six things. I want to, I just, I do, I really want to challenge you to take a time and do this writing exercise and then share that with, with somebody. I'd love to hear about it. You, you have no idea how encouraging it is. To, I, I love to hear what God's doing in, in your life. So <clears throat> let, let me know. I mean, I'd love to hear how that goes. And I'd love to hear if it's a bomb. That's fine. You go, oh, it didn't work out. It was the worst thing I ever tried. I'd love to hear that. That would not ruin my day at all. You know, you understand? I love just the fact that we're trying it out. That's, that right there is the money. Just just endeavoring to try it. So, love to hear about your experience with it, good or bad. Father God, thank you so much um, for the, uh, wow, God, that you would. So, Lord, I'm the ant. I mean, I'm the ant. And you, you have you have done everything to, that you can do, everything that needs to be done. You've done, God, in order to commune with me. And Lord, like the Bible says, what is man that you're mindful of me? I don't get that, God. Lord, most days I don't want to hang out with myself. <laughs> and yet you, the God of the universe, want me. Wow, God. Thank you. So, Lord, I, I want to bless my friends today as they endeavor with me to hear your voice and to commune with you. And I thank you for what we're in for. It's going to be good. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me?